your struggles. You know that you are with us and you hold us in your hand. Thank you. Bless this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What is Christmas to you? Let's start with a question. Well, to me, I always love the holidays. I know a lot of people don't. Uh, Speak up. Besides the whole, like, it means a lot of different things to me because I think by the time you get close to your family and friends, I love the music. I love, I love everything about it. And then, of course, the on top of it, you know, Jesus' birth and actually uh, focusing on that. And hopefully it's the time of year where people that uh, don't really think much about him throughout the year are more open to hearing about him. Okay. Jen, what do you think? Christmas is the time to celebrate Christ's birth and spend time with family. Taylor, anything to add? I think just remembering Christ like, all that he's done for us, and maybe sharing that with others. Jess? Uh, in the last few years, it's been getting foster children. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah, no, it's not happening this year. All right. Next up. Autumn? Um, I love Christmas. Um, I didn't know about emotional self. I can barely go to a live activity with my kids without crying. But I use Christmas. I like to do Christmas apologetics on my Facebook page because I have like a thousand friends. And so I try to use Christmas as the witnessing tool. But yeah, I definitely love Christmas because of what it represents. Just the Messiah coming. What about the Christmas story speaks to you the most? I love all the prophecies he fulfilled in his first column. Just the faith in God that they have. Faith in God, Diane? Adam? Um, when I really think about, like, Jen knows, like, my favorite scripture, John, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with John, the Word was God, and in verse 14, and the Word became flesh. You know, when you think about just how awesome that is, because, you know, like, oh, Christ was born, and, you know, the Messiah, and it's all true, but when we think about this being that we can't even comprehend came here, and he took on no, but human is just Dan, anything to add? I might not directly answer this question, but I have a nativity scene that stays up all year just to remember like the magic from just Jesus' birth. And um it's really nice to do that. And I can see it every time I pull in and pull out my driveway. I, I'm in line with Adam. Jesus leaving heaven, giving up his godly power in the flesh, if you will, and his knowledge just to be a man. If you run into a word in your studies that is kenosis, that's what that means, that Jesus gave up. So he was 100% God in spirit, 100% man in flesh. That's K-E-N-O-S-I-S, Jim. She's taking notes. So think about it. If if I asked you, hey, I want to send you to the Bahamas. I mean, you, you get excited, right? Because that's somewhere nice. It's somewhere, quote-unquote, better than where we live. Jesus left perfection to come here, knowing what was going to happen. That's like, hey, I'm going to send you to the east side of Detroit <laughs> and have at it. And, and you're like, oh, awesome, thanks. That's always what spoke to me. How did the people know Jesus was the Christ child? He did. They had to God was talking to them. They had to believe. They had to believe. Well, they had the Old Testament prophecy. There we go. So, prophecy. They knew it. Just as we should know it, how it relates to us today, so that we don't get fooled and we know what we're looking for. And we can see what's coming. They knew it. Which is why the vast majority of the world was fooled. And only a few actually understood what they had. So here's a few of them. We have Micah 5.2. This gives you the location. But you, Bethlehem, or Ephetath. Now keep in mind there were two Bethlehems. 
This is the smaller of the two that really no one even talked about. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet you, out of you, shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And then we have Isaiah 11.1. 1. That gives us the family bloodline that we should be looking at. And there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Jesse, does anybody know who Jesse is? The father of David. Yeah, the father of David. Prophecy is important. Jesus literally congratulated people and, and applauded them for knowing prophecy and condemned them for not. He doesn't change. He said they weren't doing good. We look at Good Friday as our redemption. So did Jesus really have to come and suffer? If he, if he is God, couldn't he just snap his fingers and save us? Could he do it? Yes. But in his, in his character, could he do it? Because God set the rules. And those rules were specific. So to follow his own rules, he had to come and die. How much does it show? That love that he knew before all time what he was going to have to do and was willing to do. Yeah. So I ask you, what would you sacrifice for someone who is a loved one? Right? What would you sacrifice for someone you love? Give up your phone? Yeah. Would you die? Maybe. Okay. Zachary, what would you give up for someone who's a friend? Just a friend. Not as much. Adam, what about a stranger? Quite a bit. Taylor, how about an enemy? Not as much. Not as much. No, tell him to repeat that. Right? He, he was talking about what would you sacrifice for an enemy, and I said, well, I despise Joe Biden and his entire cabinet and his entire administration, but I pray for their soul. I really do. I want him to die in yeah. prison, but I pray for his soul. Huh. Yeah. Amen to that. Oh, there we go. Yeah, if you're willing to give your life, my question is, if you if you have the faith we have and we know we're going to heaven, it's still a sacrifice, but it is, is it as much of a sacrifice. And then we look at Moses, who, when he was arguing with God over the salvation of the nation of Israel, because they had turned against him, he says, if you're going to keep them out of heaven, then take away my salvation. I don't, that's, a heck of a, that's a heck of a stretch for me. That's... Yeah, that's the risk. Okay. Question, how do you picture Jesus looking in your mind? Okay. Oh, we, I, I know. I'm going to give you three options. We both have. Ayler, I won't call on you because there are pictures on the screen. But Me and we got picture A. Picture A. It's like astronaut Jesus. He's yeah. like in the stars, right? It's like model Jesus. Yes, model Jesus. We have Jesus B. Could be on the Sea of Galilee, holding his hand out. Kind of Fabio Jesus. It's like Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds Jesus, okay, according to Adam. And then we have Jesus C, who is like Middle Eastern, darker skinned Jesus. That one is. Okay. My question is, what does the Bible say Jesus looked like? See. See? No, he doesn't look like any of them. Didn't look like any of them? What? Golden face, bright as the sun. Like when he was living. Yeah, when he was in his human form. Oh! Number three, okay. Six ones. Well, any other? Frankie looked Middle Eastern. Even that Middle Eastern guy, you know, he was kind of like a... Dark Hansen type, where the Bible says that he was nothing that anyone should, you know, take notice of. He's been yeah. the average Joe. So if we look at Isaiah 53 too, 
He has no form or comeliness. Form would be stateliness, you know, like your businessman, your politician, those stupid photos of all of them at the corner, all 45 degrees, staring at you, smiling. Non-confrontational, you can trust me. I'm a charlatan. Uh, comeliness would be splendor, oh, not your model people. And when we see him, literally, this is Isaiah, hundreds of years, thousands of years before he comes. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. What that means is, if you're a guy, you don't see him as a threat or a pushover. He's just sort of that guy. If you're a woman, what? he's not attractive, but he's not ugly. Watch out. He is the... The epitome of what the CIA is looking for. He is the guy that you'll see and notice, but never remember. Which explains why people are always picking fights with him. Because they're not intimidated by him. So when he opens his mouth, they're, they're just willing to stand up and yell back. So prior to his birth, how do you picture Joseph and Mary going into Bethlehem? Or in Bethlehem? In Bethlehem? Yeah. yeah. Something really pregnant. Pregnant, okay. So in Bethlehem, isn't this isn't this what we always see? It's a nativity with a cow sitting there. It appears to be Joseph's just sort of holding on the cow's head. There's bright shiny Jesus and Mary who's all happy. You got that shepherd over there. You got what looks like two kings sitting there, right? That's that's the nativity story. Okay. Everybody warm and happy and animals gathered together. Didn't the wise lane stable? Okay. Yeah. Well, here's here's another depiction, you know, riding into Bethlehem. Mary there. But let's remember a few things. Mary is most likely 14 to 16 years old. What? Near the end of her pregnancy, she is told by Joseph, Hey, honey, I know you're about to pop, but guess what? We get to take an 80-mile donkey journey. It's going to take us seven to nine days through woods and hills just so that we can be counted. Oh, and by the way, today it would take about an hour and 45 minutes. I call her. It was 80 miles. 80 miles. Yep. Also, here's the kicker. When we get there, we're supposed to stay with my family, who quite possibly he had never met. And there may not be room. Then they arrive, and not only is there no room, his family doesn't let him stay there. There's no room. So obviously they weren't that close. So he finally finds this dude who's willing to let him stay in his barn. A stable, right? But keep in mind, this is actually most likely a cave. And you're going to be out there with the animals, and, and this is where you can have your baby. You know, that's probably not what Mary looked like. Because teenage women... And pregnant women are not known for their understanding ways. So probably if you look at the face a little bit more closely, it looks something like this. And so I don't see the 80-mile journey being this pleasant singing Christmas carol kumbaya type thing. This is a trek. And by the time they get there, things are, things are happening. Right? And now we don't even know that they have a midwife. This is all going to be on their own. The only thing we do know is that Mary and Joseph were told by the angel, you are going to have a son. And so it says she kept these things in her mind. I, I think this is probably the only childbirth in history where they probably had no concern of whether the child was going to live. There's no guarantee the mom's going to live. Let's take a look at Matthew. So we're going Matthew. This is Matthew one twenty. We're going to read uh, one twenty and one twenty four. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Again, this is Joseph 
in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, marry your wife, for which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 124. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. <laughs> but did. Here's something that when you read that over and over again, it's going to change something for you. Joseph was never told to keep Mary as his wife. He was just told not to be afraid to make her his wife. In the story, they've always preceded this as if the angel told Joseph, you're going to stay with her. At least everything I had ever gotten from Sunday school and church was, the angel told Joseph to stay with her. No. He just told him, don't be afraid. He was still well within his legal rights to walk out. So that shows us a little bit about Joseph's character. So he is within his right to divorce her, and he was going to. Now, we're looking. Who are the Magi? The kings. The kings, yes. He told us. No, I didn't Okay. What do we know about the Magi? They gave him gifts. They, they came years later. They gave him gifts. Gold. Gold. the star. Gold. the star. He can have the last one. What, Autumn? Yep. From the east. Where Daniel lived. Anything else? There wasn't three of them. How many were there? Many. They brought gifts. We know this. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those are the gifts. They were from the east. They were astrologers. So they followed the star. Studied stars. And they arrived late. Probably around two years. Is there any hint of that in the scriptures? Question. No. Well, yeah. So they still lived in Beth. They were still in the stable for two years. Well, that is a perfect segue, Blake. Thank you. Matthew 2, 9 through 11 says in this, When they, the Magi, heard the king, they departed. That was Herod. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Why? And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his mother, with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So no, they are not in a cave. So this can't be the same night. They're in a house. Cave? Stable is actually a cave. We already went over there. I was in mountains. Well, it's that a young child was going to be a child. yeah. So it tells us they entered a house in our barn. But some things have opened up. So who, personally, were the Magi? Well, what was their background? They were kings from different Kings? Okay. We did have states in different States or countries? They could. We know the cities. Babylon area, yes. Okay. So, the key to all of these is they are disciples of Daniel. Daniel. Remember, if you go back to Daniel 2, Daniel was in charge. After he gives the depiction of the dream and the statue, he's put in charge of all of the people in in the uh, Magicians and the astrologers and all of that under Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel was in charge of the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothslayers, i.e. the magi, where we get our word magic. They would have learned from what Daniel knew. Remember, you've got to know what Daniel huh? See? Yeah, magi is where we get our word magic. Oh. Yeah, we just went over this. You're sitting next to me. Okay. So, Daniel, who's told in Daniel 9, 20 through 27, about the 70 weeks prophecies, each of seven years, 
literally the timetable of when to the day to expect the Messiah. So they would know we were getting close. The three, they were from the east, the area that was Babylon. It says they came from Shinar, which is the Iraq, former Babylon, or Persia, Iran area. Hence, they would have come from the east. Being astrologers, they studied the stars, and they would know what to look for. Out of Numbers 24.17, Daniel would know 24.17, and it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. The star shall come out of Jacob. Then it continues. So that's where we get that. So when Herod asked... Oh, sorry. Is when, do you know a time frame of when Daniel had, uh, when he apprenticed them and then to when Jesus was born? So it's not based, his, his 70 years isn't based on when he receives it, it's based on when it starts. So the timetable. Isn't there like no, no, no. Yeah, there, there's, there's, yeah, there. Daniel's seventy weeks. The sixty-nine weeks is over four hundred years, just in the the sixty-nine okay. weeks of years. So it was passed down. These are magi though that weren't directly taught by Daniel. No, came to see Jesus. They kept passing Daniel teachings on over the centuries. Yes. Right. Yep. Okay. Because that's a really huge influence because Daniel was supposed to be brainwashed into Babylonian um, you know culture and yet he taught yep. them to look for the Messiah the Jewish Messiah correct which is interesting. Right. which I think is one of the most interesting things about the, the whole thing is that it was Gentiles that traveled yeah yeah far away to come Gentiles, yeah. the Jewish Messiah not the Jewish guys except for the yeah. shepherds the shepherds are who was it that was Simeon? Who was in the Simeon? Well, he didn't see him until he was brought to the temple to be dedicated. So they're, they're, they're really the second group that the Bible mentions. Yeah. Hmm. And the first group had to be told. That's interesting, isn't it? Like yeah. the, the Gentiles were the ones that actually saw him out. So the Magi did not return to Herod because of a dream. Keep in mind, they are diviners trained to interpret dreams. So that would make sense to them. Also, God warns Joseph to flee at night. At these times, this isn't like today. We don't have, you know, we cars and lights and headlamps. People didn't move at night. This is not a normal time. It's dangerous. So he moves him to Egypt. Then Jesus is called back to Israel from Egypt, just like the nation of Israel was called out of Egypt back to Israel. Right? And out of Egypt I shall call my son. So how many magi were there? She already said there are several. Any other thoughts? Why do we think there's several? Large party. Large party? Why? Um, well, just from the presence, the, the gifts they present, stuff like that, you think that they're men of all, but like you said, most times people just didn't travel. They might. And, I mean, they would have to have supplies. and Logistics. Yeah, right. right. Okay, so we don't know how many. Probably an entire caravan, not like a Dodge caravan, but right. an Arab caravan. Because three dudes on camels ain't crossing the Sahara, right? Unless they want to starve. So, in in twenty, just a little background. In twenty, in two twenty five A.D., Tertullian called them kings. So before two twenty five A.D. They weren't even referred to as kings. Matthew gives absolutely no number, name, or position, whether royal or not. Now, from the three gifts, we deduct that there were three in number. But we don't know how much gold, frankincense, or myrrh was brought, nor the, the cost or weight of it. Uh, shortly before 600 A.D., the Ar Armenian infancy gospel named them Melkon, later changed to Melkor, Balthazar, and Gaspar, which is where they get their names some 600 years A.D. So what, what do the 
uh, gifts represent? What does gold represent? Yeah, it actually represents preciousness, the, the value of his ministry. Yeah. Okay, fine gold. <clears throat> Frankincense is his message. I'll read you what I found. The gift of frankincense is said to have been an acknowledgement of Jesus' priesthood, setting him apart from a typical king. Frankincense was used in the temple routines, burned a ceremonial by, ceremonially by the priests. It was not native to that region, however, so obtaining frankincense from the east was very costly. This gift was precious both in meaning and value. And these are Gentiles giving him such a thoughtful gift. And then myrrh. Obviously, burial, spices, representing his sacrifice, his death. Okay. Which is another thing. But not only do they, well, I mean, it's your beliefs in the start, you have to believe that he's going to be crucified, but they, they believed that even back then. When, the, when Isaiah wrote the prophecies about him being crucified, crucifixion had yet to be invented. Well, his death, I should Right. Say. So that's even more interesting. They're the most, yeah, they have space that can move around. There you go. All right, what do we see here? Huh? It's something different than what you want to see. It's not two faces. It's not two faces? What is it? Candlestick? Chalice? Can you turn it? I can't turn it. Just look at it. Open your eyes. They're seeing the same thing there. So it's either two people staring at each other, or it's a cup, for the most part. Oh, I see it. Okay, I'm, I'm glad. Everybody see that? Mm -hmm. Okay. While you look at this, I have a quick story. Some of you have heard this before. So there's a family sitting in a room. In come four masked men who grab a man, throw him on a, a cot, and wheel him out. They then close the doors behind them and cut the man's heart out. And his family does nothing to help him. Would you do the same thing? Do they have nothing? No. No weapons. What would you do? You would have to, I'd have to like attack some people and like rip their eyes out. Oh, okay. Jen? I'm shooting everybody. She's shooting everybody. All right. They're coming in our house, correct? Yeah, just into the room. Yeah. The room you're in. Oh, and we don't know what they're doing behind the other side. They're cutting his heart out. You know they're going to cut his heart out. Wait, this is a weird trick question. Is this like a weird trick question? I think it is. It is. Because the four masked men are surgeons. <laughs> and they're taking him for a heart. You didn't tell us. Please. I know. But so that is the entire point. What, what could a change of perspective do for us around Christmas? We've always looked at Christmas. In this one way, with all of these, these perceptions, how can we change it for the better? I'm studying. Okay. So after Christmas is the new year. People make resolutions. Well, what will you resolve? And before you... Blurted out. Did your res resolution stick in 2018? 2019? 2020? 2021? 2022? So what do you think you're going to do in 2023? If that's our track record, it's most people don't make it through the year of whatever they resolve to do. Well, you're supposed to better yourself. In fact, I gave... I think you can find it. I have a sermon that I gave, I think, on December or January 6th or something of last year. 
on a new year, a new you, a new resolutions. Yeah. If I can find it, I'll let you know, but it might still be out there. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if I'm dead to the world, why do I care so much about what the world thinks about me? This has hit me like a brick for the last year. You haven't figured it out yet. Oh, I have. I'll give you examples of those two little kids in here. I never wanted to foster kids. It took a voice from the heavens for me to even go, okay. I never said yes. I wouldn't bring myself to say yes. <laughs> I just said, I guess. <laughs> and, and that my wife took as a yes. And we have now had five kids come through this house. And every she doesn't even call me to ask. First few she called me. I said, it ain't up to me. So she says a prayer. Yeah, me crying. She says a prayer, and she says yes or no. Case in point, last year, December 24th, was not a good day for me. Jay. And I get a call. Hey, we're getting two new kids. By the way, one's been shot. Coming in an hour. Whatever. Thanks. It's not my life. It's not up to me. Adam, when's the last time you worried about my mortgage? <laughs> Seriously. Jen? I've never worried about yours. Autumn, have you ever worried about my mortgage? Why? Because you don't own it. And yet we worry about our lives as if we own them. We don't. We are to serve faithfully. He promises us certain things in life. He wants more for us than we want for ourselves. And yet, I, I'm convicted myself. Day after day, I worry about, complain about, and it's only when I look back that I'm, man, I, I had it pretty good back then. I'd, I'd go back to those days in a heartbeat. But if you took me back to those days, I'd be complaining about something else. We need to truly understand what it means when we say, I have crucified myself to Christ daily to pick up his cross and walk after him. Because I don't, I know I wasn't. Most of the time, I'm still not. You'll find me throwing a fit. And then halfway through it, I'll just go, doesn't matter, it's not my life. Well, that's my way of coping. Doesn't make me any more happy. Then I'll go, it doesn't matter if I'm happy. He didn't promise me to be happy which is a big lie here in America, because we have things so good that we complain about our Wi-Fi. That is the biggest problem in your life, is your Wi-Fi is slow, you have a great life. Okay, if you all you have are first world problems, you're doing a great job. Look at our brothers and sisters across the world who are being slaughtered and literally just running for their lives. They're not happy. They have joy. But they're not happy. There's a difference. Joy is... I have something that will drive me and it's going to be better. Happiness is like, hey, man, I just, somebody just pulled in and gave me a new car. That's happiness for a little bit. Until you find out how much the gas is going to cost, the tires, and it needs an alignment. And now you're complaining about the free thing. Thoughts? Like I said, this has hit me like a brick for the last year. And I read this verse and I said the same thing, missing that for three years when we did this, at least. Colossians 2, 6 through 8. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Let's break that down. We go back to... Verse 7, rooted and built up. That means basing everything on and going off of him, Jesus Christ. Verse 8 starts with beware. This is a huge call to, hey, pay attention, after this. 
Through philosophy, an empty deceit means reason without biblical standing and lies. People can tell you all sorts of things, but if they can't back it up with the Bible, be suspect. Mm -hmm. Tradition of men. A deep look into our most basic of traditions will start to make you wonder. I'll leave it at that for now. And the basic principles of the world. Our desires, the flesh, worry, fear. When we have that, it says, and not according to Christ. Because when we truly look at him, all the fear goes away. Mm -hmm. Everything falls away. Everything pales in comparison. The problem is, and I have been there for months on end at the time, how do I look up through the clouds and see it? Mm -hmm. I don't have an answer for you, but we have to hold that faith. That's what will get you through anything. Thoughts before we go to our next one? Let's look at Galatians 5.17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Ah, we're going to look at something that we've, we're going to cover here. Actually, we've, we already, or we have not covered this one yet. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, Revelation 3. These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That's Jesus. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. See that word, the beginning? The beginning of the creation? <coughs> the word in the, the Greek is archies. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's the commencement of something. Also means ruler, foundation, or source. It's off of this that everything else is built. 18 and 19. Any thoughts there? Let's look at the next part. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Nakedness takes us back to the fall in the Garden of Eden. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. This means all impurities are burned off. That you may be rich. And white garments, we covered this last time. Purity, all stains removed. Uncolored by any tainting color or dye. In contrast to the white robes they had given up to the pagan community. White garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. That's your sin, the nakedness of sin coming into your life. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. To many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, and I also, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We always hear that verse in church. The problem is, is the church is always telling us that's one of the reasons we go out and talk to the unsaved, because we have to reach them. Except Jesus is saying that to the church, not to the unsaved. Not Well, they are the unsaved, but not to a legitimate church, just people who are attending. That should get our attention. Our mission field does not just exist in the people who deny Jesus. It exists with the people who claim Jesus, but aren't actually saved by Jesus. They're just as lost. Zachary, I'm about to start answering your question here. Oh. So, the gift of mistakes... The freedom of forgiveness, the opportunity of faith, that's freedom. So mistakes, we learn from them. We lose pride and gain humility. Forgiveness, to be forgiven 
is to actually learn to forgive. And generally to forgive others is actually to forgive ourselves because we are most sensitive to the sins in others that we actually see inside of ourselves. And faith, the opportunity of eternity stands before us all. Right now we can invest in this world or in heaven, but we cannot invest in both. They stand against each other. What gift would you like to give Jesus this Christmas? You feel to go around and answer? No, I mean, and you can. Otherwise, it becomes a lecture. Well, I'm going to try. I, I struggle with what man thinks. So every year, I feel like my close or up, I feel like my years resolution is to pray that God would make me care more about what he thinks and what people think, if they like me or not, or they think I'm a religious freak because I'm. I know witness for them for Christ. So, I'm sooner or later, how did that God would give me confidence to say things I should? And I just struggle with it a lot. Okay. Anyone else? What gift does Jesus want from you this Christmas? For you to pay attention? Okay. It's a heck of a different question. Huh? Devotion. Okay. Well, here's, here's what I came up with. When Jesus opens his gift from you, this is what he wants. All of your pride, lust, idolatry, pain, insecurity, selfishness, substance abuse, hatred, hurt, and the list can go on and on. It's pain right here started popping out real hard when you but that's what he wants. In fact, that's what he's already offered us to take. And his gift to us is love, unconditional, acceptance, unconditionally, forgiveness, only conditionally based upon our acceptance of his sacrifice, freedom, once we make that acceptance, and eternal life that can never be taken forfeited, or returned. If I gave, if I walked up to you and gave you that deal, you'd either slap me in the face and call me a liar, or you'd take it and run off the other way, like, that is one stinking idiot, and I just got the deal of a lifetime. And yet we continue to run back to our life's worries, angers, and I'm, I'm not saying it's not me. Because it is me. Even just this morning, I lost my life. I ever love it, mine. So, I, I, nobody's perfect. And I, as much as I sit here and people think I'm talking to them, 90% of the time when I write this, I'm talking about me. What is the, your true focus for Christmas? Is it cookies in the shape of stars and trees? Is it the tree? Teaching children how to be more Christ-like. Okay. Teaching children to be more Christ-like. Mainly my children. Everybody else who cares about Christ. Take of any that will listen to you. Yes. Look at it this way. Jesus is the star of Christmas. He is the light of the world. He is the tree of life. Just to start. Here's where we're going to get into your question. Here's where we dive. All things related to Christmas are good to celebrate if we do it the right way. This is the time when most people are most open to hearing about Jesus without losing their mind. It's becoming more and more of a closed door as years pass on. But even now, if you walked up and said, Merry Christmas, and talked about a nativity, most people wouldn't lose their mind, call you a Jesus freak, and walk away. If you try to do this at other times of the year, people will just laugh at you and walk away. So take this opportunity, these, this week and a half we have left, to reach somebody. How much time do you have before Christmas? Yeah, you'll figure it out. We should most be afraid of leading, letting Christmas come and go without telling somebody about it. 
Bring the focus of Jesus and his birth through all the traditions and symbols into your home. Mm -hmm. Read Matthew 1, 18 through 2, 18. Luke 2, to your family in your home, which is the Christmas story. And then when it says, and the prophet said, go there and show them. Micah 5, 2, Isaiah. So that they know where it came from. There may not be a better time to reach the unsaved. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Every one of the feasts is the shadow. The substance of what it represents is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Paul writes, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law. Not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might be by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker with it, of it with you. He never blended in. But he didn't point his finger and tisk tisk and stand on the corner and scream. You know, basically what Jonah did, only Jonah knew it was coming. Forty days and Nineveh perishes. You know, that's basically what we do when we, we take the megaphone and we stand on the corner. Jesus returns and you don't know him, you will burn in hell. Oh, I want to go up and talk to that guy about what he has to say. They'll just walk the heck away from me. They could do that in a church. That's probably where they should be doing their little PA messages. They should be talking about the love of Christ and showing them. So let's look at the truth behind Christmas of today. When was Jesus born? Zachary, when? April or May. April or May. Right. Somewhere between April and September of 3 to 4 AD is the best guess we have. How is it AD if he... Hold on, look at that. So shepherds are in the fields, and people are moving on a long journey for a census, which in the winter would have killed a lot of people. So we know it wasn't winter time. So where in the Bible are we told to celebrate Christmas? Truth bombs. It is in First Traditions 1-1. Nowhere. Jesus only commands us to do one thing in remembrance of him. Any ideas? Communion. Communion. Luke 22, 19 through 20. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is my new co is the new covenant in my blood, just shed for you. So the truth is, God isn't impressed with our celebration of Christmas. How many families place more focus on a tree? Because isn't that where the presents come from? How about a fat man? Isn't that who brings the presents? Or elves? Aren't they the ones responsible for making the present? And again, isn't this what we actually deserve? Let's try this again. A tree because Jesus is the tree of life. A star because Jesus is the light of the world. And presence because Jesus is the gift of salvation. Now what about Hanukkah? The festival of lights? What's what anybody know what Hanukkah is actually about? Other than the Adam Sandler song? The candle? Yeah, the candle. What's it about? The light of Jesus. Light of Jesus? No. I've, I've heard about it. 
Click on the going to the burning fire and stuff. No. What's that, Hotel? Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. He did. What is Hanukkah? I remember the backstory of it, like a little portion like, of it. Will you find it in the Bible? No. Yes. No. It's in the book of, it's in Maccabees. First Maccabees. It's in the Septuagint. Why don't you say me and you? No, if I said yes, you It's not in the Bible. First Maccabees is the Septuagint. It's not in your Bible. It's, so from Malachi to Matthew is 400 years. In those 400 years are several writings that did not make it into the Bible. Who are they at? Septuagint. Do you have one of those? Yes, I have it. You do? You know, I have Catholic Bible, so. It's in some of the Catholic Bibles also. They don't have Revelation. So. so from the first century revolt of the Maccabee family against Antiochus IV Epiphanes, known as the king, to take back the temple, they found one jar of oil, enough for one day, and it lasted eight. Enough time for them to make the needed oil to burn the lamps in the temple. And so they light one candle in remembrance each day. That is fun. Yeah, but you gotta tell them what the Maccabees did. They were like bad man jamba. Yeah, they, they fought back. They like kicked butt. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. He was like awesome. It, I, if I tell the story, I tend to get yelled at because I get descriptive. Tell it. No. If if you want to know if you want to know about the Antichrist is work than worse than Antiochus Epiphanes and what he will do to the Jewish people. Oh, another if, time. If you read of what he did to the Jewish people, it's going to get bad. So Jesus went to Jerusalem during the feast of Hanukkah. This would have been a six-week journey round trip for him, and it's recorded in John ten twenty-two. So if Jesus took six weeks out of his ministry for this, we should probably take some notice. So where does December 25th come from? Pagan holiday. Pagan holiday. Which one? Uh, who were by the Romans. They were worshiping the God of the sun. Sun? Apollo. Right? Saturnalia, Adam says. No, they were worshiping the sun goddess that day. Okay, well, most people say... holiday. Right. Most people think it's Jesus' birthday, which it's not. But Dionysus, Exiguus, or whatever, a sixth Dionysus. month, yeah. set the year of Christ's birth. However, the Roman calendar is based on the year of the city Rome was founded, known as ACU. A-U-C. A-U-C, Jesus lived 15 years under Caesar Augustus. 15 years under Caesar Tiberius. But Augustus took power in 727 AUC. Dionysus put Jesus' birth at 754 AUC. But Luke 1.5 puts Jesus' birth during the reign of Herod the Great, who died in 4 to 3 BC, or 750 AUC. So which one is... So, I'm, I'm sorry, it was 80. The Pachacomptus, written in northern Africa near 4th, 243 A.D., says Jesus was born March 28th, 3 A.D. Clement, the bishop of Alexander, set Jesus' birth in November of 18 A.D. And Joseph Fitzmaier, who was at a Catholic school in the U.S., says Jesus was born September 11th, 3 B.C. But December 25th was set by Constantine in 312 A.D. to Christianize the pagans because it was the pagan holiday of Saturnalia. And he said, if I make it Jesus' birthday, it would put something Christian in it because that was their most glorified holiday. So what is the holiday of Saturnalia? What is it? What does it represent? What do they do? If I remember right, like, is it like they celebrate on like the shortest day of the year and they're like sacrificing to the sun god and our sun? Or, or, uh, it's not the sun because it's Saturn, Saturnalia. For longer days or whatever. Let's look. Started in 497 BC when the Roman temple of Saturn was dedicated in Rome. 
Saturn was the Roman god of fertility and agriculture. The female side was the Ashtara or Ashtaroth, or Ishtar, Venus, and Aphrodite. This is where my wife takes a deep breath and huffs at me. Because the holiday is represented in 1 Kings as the worship of Baal, or Ashtaroth, during the same time as King Ahab and the prophet Elijah. All throughout the Old Testament, you will hear of your Asheroth pole in the Old Testament. All of those names, Asherah, Ashtaroth, Ishtar, Venus, Aphrodite, those are all Semiramis, who we talked about before, the wife of Nimrod. Thus, Saturn is Nimrod. Started as a one-day holiday, but grew until it went from December 17th until December 25th. It was a time where lawlessness was celebrated. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Second Thessalonians 2 says Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa? Mm. Has nothing to do with any of this. Yes, it does. Oh, it does. It sounds like some holidays. Freaking out. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have to do with. We'll, we'll cover Kwanzaa another time. No, but I've got enough holidays going on here right now. It's Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Okay. That's a legitimate question. Why okay. Talk about it. I'm not going to talk about Kwanzaa right now. I'll go over time. So the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, Second Timothy. They knew about this holiday. They knew about other stuff that was going on. It began when Roman authorities would choose an enemy of the Roman people, which could be both male or female. Didn't matter. Lucian, the Greek historian, wrote in the second century about the holiday, stating, they would go house to house singing while naked. What? Yep, that's caroling. Disgusting. They oh would eat. Gosh. Wait, caroling came from that? Yep. Origins, they would sing naked from house to house. That's where we carol? Yep. Yep. Yeah. We gotta ruin stuff. So they would eat human shaped biscuits, such as human sacrifice. Gingerbread men. There's your gingerbread. Yeah, it gets worse. Everyone, including slaves, would look forward to the holiday all year long because each house would elect the king of chaos or misrule. Yeah, I missed enough. To preside over the holiday. Ho, ho, ho. During Saturnalia, people would yell, Lo! which later became low, 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 which is where we get ho, ho, ho. I feel like that's me. Okay, but St. Nicholas, Nicholas is a good dude. Okay. She's hanging on to something. So Bruce Stringsteen says Saturnalia in the USA. In 1687 in Boston, they observed the first nativity. But those people said this isn't Jesus' birthday. We're just going to kind of reach you where you are. Heck, the Puritans refused to celebrate Christmas from 659 to 681. It was outlawed in Massachusetts because of pagan links to Saturnalia. Let's see how the Jewish people see it. 1466, Pope Paul II forced Jews to eat a lot of food, then run naked in the streets, reportedly laughing heartily during the... In the 18th and 19th centuries, rabbis were made to walk the streets of Rome in clownish outfits, while people threw things at them. In 1836, Jews petitioned Pope Gregory XVI, begging him to stop the holiday of Saturnalia. He denied, and that year 12 Jews were murdered, and many Jewish women were raped. Jews today remember these atrocities and tend more to tie December 25th with Saturnalia than the birth of Christ, which they also know it celebrates. So. Where does your Christmas tree come from? Oh, great. <laughs> You're going to like this one. It's related to the Ashtaroth pole, where people worshipped trees. And to give you a hint, the Germans, when they first started, they actually hung them upside down to represent them. That, did not, that was not my veggie tail. No, it was not your veggie tail. 
This is where him and I got first. The church tried to recruit pagans by allowing people to decorate trees. Now the next, I'm going to read you Jeremiah 10, 1 through 4. It is actually how they created idols. See if it does not fit our Christmas tree. Hear the word of the Lord, which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, do not learn the ways of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile. One cuts a tree from the forest. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers, so it will not topple. Again, that's for an idol. Okay. Yeah. I just read a big article on this, but I didn't feel bad about my Christmas tree. You're talking about this, Travis, about making her like an actual idol. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. I said, does, I, I said, does this fit? Does this fit your Christmas tree? Because we set it up, and most kids will, quote unquote, worship it until Christmas when they get their presents from it. Keep in mind, it's got a happy ending. Yeah, it has a happy ending. Yes, it does have a happy ending, which is I now feel bad about telling you that the Christmas tree represents the male penis. That's what you said. It does. It does. No. It, the wreath is the female version. No. Look at that face. That's why they go together. Look, I can't even draw a heart anymore, and I can take them all out of my house. Now it's well, I'm not. I have a Christmas tree. I'm not. Hold on. Wait till we get to the end before you hit pure panic mode. Okay. This is where Travis and I got in a fight because I thought he was trying to take away my tree. Super. Hold on. Gunfitted right now. Well, hang I love my tree. I'm right, I'm right there with your wife. Good. I love my tree. Hang tight. So Colossians 2.16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holidays or new moons, ceremonies, or sects. Remember, Paul said he was all things to all men. So here is the challenge. Make Christmas about Christ. I'm going to ask you, how many pairs of clean animals, birds, and unclean animals did Noah take on the ark? Seven. Seven? Seven of what? Well, I mean seven pairs of the clean animals. And, you know, there's some more sevens with the unclean. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> Most people say a pair, yeah. two by two, one pair of unclean, seven pair of each clean, and seven pair of each bird. So you were good. In 2023, learn the biblical truth, not the Sunday school truth. So when you have the tree, Jesus is the tree of life. He is the star of that's Christmas. That's a penis? That's what I'm going to see now forever. Well, that's why the Germans hung it upside down from the ceiling. Oh. Yeah. yeah, well. Uh, I'll get over it. I actually just watched a thing. I told her, Jack Gibbs actually said that the pagans practice or celebrate ceremony would actually tie children to the tree and light it on fire. Yep. What? Yep. Wait, what? Yep. It, what you they, they, so at the end of the week of Saturnalia, during the week, whoever the, the person of misrule was, the the they had one for the entire country of Rome. You gotta wait till they have the <clears throat> when when they ended the week, during the week they would feed them, force feed them food, and they would gauge in sexual license yeah. at the end of the week they would kill that person on december 25th thus showing that they had killed the evil in rome yeah. so i looking pretty good right now so it is pretty good pretty moral so it is it is marked with with that keep in mind slaves would wear certain hats which would show they are free men, and they could do whatever they wanted. They could say whatever they wanted to their masters. And, and if you hurt somebody, 
Courts all closed. If you hurt somebody during that week, you couldn't be tried. People loved that week and looked forward to it all year. So yes, just like Valentine's Day in the Illuminati, it is a human sacrifice day. So, but questions, comments. Questions. Keep in mind, all of the symbols we will use to glorify Christ. But like I told my wife when we got in an argument about a tree, you can have your tree. But if the children worship the tree, it will burn in our front yard. You shut that oh, your, kids aren't, your kids aren't like that. Nope. Oh. It's just a tree. The funny thing is, if you can see my living room, she put a wreath right behind it in the middle of Noel. Dude, no, no, oh my god. <laughs> I'm never, I'm burning anybody right now. Everything's gone. <laughs> 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 I'm 